When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Road. And recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Reaction Time, courtesy of our friends at Fairway. Ben and I are back just a few days after chit-chatting in while I was in Tulsa. This time we're back to kind of, you know, hit some of those more in-depth points we weren't able to. And, I mean, brackets came out tonight. That selection show was tonight. So that trip back to Tulsa is literally around the corner again. And I will not forget cash this time. <laughs> now, Jackie, cool. I think you, yeah, I was going to say, you need to explain that to some people. I think, uh, yeah, you got hit with some toll roads there, didn't you? So what's funny is there was one, there's a single toll that you hit when you get, when you're about to enter Tulsa or not, I guess not necessarily Tulsa, but right into Oklahoma. And I pull up, you know, because I travel to Chicago quite often and they've just given up on like staffing those. They're just like, we'll send you a bill or pay them online. So I assumed it was the same because it's 2023 and I'm not kidding you. There's like eight signs before you get to the toll telling you, you will pull over for this toll. <laughs> like if you, <laughs> if you don't have whatever their Nate, their pike pass, like you will be pulling off. And so I pull off, you know, whatever, like, let's get through this toll. And I roll up and this guy's like $5. And I said, okay. So I try to hand him my credit card and he's like, we don't take card. And there's like huh. five cars behind me. And I'm like, okay, I don't have cash. And he's like, I'll call my manager, which at this point I'm thinking, what the heck are you going to do? Like, not let me pass, make me turn yeah. around in the middle of this interstate. And so what they end up making me do is he makes me pull off to the side, pull into their little like staff parking, makes me walk up to the building. They don't let me enter the building. I have to hand this man my credit card. He goes inside, shuts the door, and I stand there for five minutes. Oh. It was just like so ridiculous. And again, it's like 2023, like Oklahoma needs to adapt here. Who literally just has cash on them anymore? Uh, I, I do, because I remember hitting that same toll and actually having to pay cash. I'm just like, oh, that's weird. Good thing I stopped and got cash beforehand because yeah, I'm a little old school in that way. And if I travel somewhere, yeah, it's always good to have a few 20s on you just in case something weird happens, like a toll booth. So who has cash on them? I do, but I understand the sentiment and I do agree that it's, I didn't know that you couldn't pay card. I'm like, Oh, I got cash. I'll pay cash. But I probably would have and should have tried to pay card first time, but I didn't. So yeah, well, weird, weird system. that got down there, down there in Oklahoma. It's whatever. I'll have five freaking dollars <laughs> next <laughs> week on Wednesday. Um, gosh, I just like, can't believe I'm, we're going back to Tulsa. I, the drive wasn't as bad as I thought. It, it really good. wasn't. It, it really wasn't like on Monday. I when hated I, it. <laughs> yeah. When I drove back on Monday, there were points where I was like, wow, 
I'm going to fall asleep. <laughs> mm, don't do that. I didn't. I didn't. I switched on a podcast, but it's just like, there's nothing there to entertain you. Not one no. thing. But thankfully the road was pretty dead. So I Good. did honestly appreciate that. So my first time driving to Tulsa went well, guys, if you can tell. Oh, but yeah. Now, like having I, having been there for Big 12s, what are your thoughts on it being a host site for the national tournament here in a week and a half? Or a week know, almost now. I personally feel like it's a little small. I yeah. I do. Like I I look at that photo room and the people who cover the Big 12 don't take up the whole room. Like I actually ended up just sitting at this, the tables they set up out in the main floor. Um, just because with me being the only Iowa state person there, it's so much easier for Andy, the SID and I, I think to have been literally just sitting like a few seats away from each other. It was just easier to communicate like, Hey, here's where your interview is going to be. Hey, here's what's going on over on this map, blah, blah, blah. And I just don't feel that's going to be the case come NCAAs. And so I'm just trying to imagine how they're going to cater to all these SIDs, all of these team staffers, and then all of the outside media like myself. And I look at the floor, they're going to have to get rid of, I, they're going to have to push seats back, I guess, kind of like what they do in yep. Hilton. Because I just don't see how all those mats are going to fit. <laughs> yeah. When I was looking at it on TV, I'm like, oh boy, I think they're going to have to do some creative things with seating to make all eight mats fit down there because it's not a big floor. So no, yeah, they're going to have to do something. It isn't. Well, and for big 12s, they have those curtains, you know, in the upper decks, which I'm, I'm going to assume those are going to be gone. I assume that will yeah. all be open seating. Well, not open seating, but you get what I mean. I assume fans will be allowed to sit up there for that. Um, thankfully, I mean, I, I assume hotels are going to have to work. The media hotel isn't too far. That's good. So at least I have that going for me, but like, I'm not kidding you. There's like one solid restaurant. <laughs> yes, there is. Yep. When I went down there for the, um, NCAA basketball tournament a couple of years ago, when Iowa state lost to Ohio state in the first round with Taylor Horton Tucker and, uh, <laughs> Tyrese Halliburton, yep. um, there was one entire restaurant near the stadium and that might've even been generous. Like if you're, if you're listening to this podcast and you're planning to going down to Tulsa to go to the uh, NCAA championships, you're going to have to pre-plan some meals <laughs> or you're yeah. going to have to pay like 20 bucks for a meal at the BOK center because yeah. there are not yep. restaurants near the stadium and it's rough. Well, I did see that there was some, like maybe a block or two away. Mm. So you're just going to have to be comfortable walking because, I mean, they're going to block off the roads the same way they did for Big 12. So, like, I think two blocks, two block radius is essentially not passable. And you know what? I'll give the, I'll give credit to Big 12s. I'm going to assume this is all them. They did have this little area set up outside with like, food stands and there was some like mm. entertainment, I think to encourage people to kind of hang out there and not probably overwhelm this one restaurant. <laughs> um, but no, I, I am very curious. I'm definitely hoping the NCAA feeds the media a, a little more than the big 12 does. Um, They're not going to. 
I don't know what the big 12 did, but for the basketball tournament I was at, we were packed in like sardines and the meals at the stadium were not meals. They were snacks. Yep. So, that, that's what we had at the big 12s. And yeah. I don't even think we had snacks on sa- Sunday. <laughs> Oof. Okay. You'll get, you'll get snacks every day, but uh, you don't be expecting like a buffet or a meal or anything because that, I mean, it, it could happen, but I would be surprised. You know, I prepared. I learned from last year. So Sunday, when we had the big break in between sessions, you know, before championship rounds, I ran out, ran some errands. So I grabbed a few things like I I need a new little tripod so I could do my interviews better. So people don't have to watch uh, interviews with the team with my shaky hands. And I ordered Subway. Nice. I had Subway delivered to the hotel because I'm. That was another thing I didn't love about Tulsa was once I left this specific area where I went, I went to a Walmart to grab this tripod and this other, like, I need an SD card reader. Um, Poor planning on my part. Um, (laughs) And the moment I left that area, I couldn't find, like, any of the specific fast foods I was wanting. I was like, what the heck? This is so weird. So I just had it delivered to the hotel. So when I got done, whatever time it was that I walked back to the hotel, I knew that I had food because I mean, I was up until 3 a.m. working. It's a Sunday. Nothing's open. (laughs) So listen, Tulsa was a good time. I enjoyed that downtown area. I really do. But for big 12s, because it's not super crowded. It's easy to maneuver. (laughs) And the food, if you prepare, it is awful. I'm just, yeah, I'm very curious to see how it all goes down. And you know what? If it's super busy, then I look forward to the streets being filled with wrestling people. (laughs) So I guess that's our rant on Tulsa, right? Hey, next year they're in Kansas City. I am going to be there. So I'm excited for that. If anyone wants another reason to go to Kansas City, in March, yeah. Here's your chance. Go to Big 12 Wrestling Championship, or not, sorry, not Big 12 Wrestling Championships. Go to the Big 12 tournament, and then you can come back the week after <laughs> and go to NCAA Wrestling. <laughs> or two week vacation. Yeah, or just don't leave. <laughs> <laughs> so, but. Yes, round one in Tulsa. We did our um, instant reaction, and we talked about, you know, just the incredible weekend for David Carr and Paneer Johnson. I would definitely love to start off, you know, focusing on those guys in the back of the bracket because I was very impressed with them. Um, I know, obviously, they didn't quite finish how they wanted, but... I mean, when they first started off in the back, I mean, they battled. I was very impressed. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't agree more. Casey Sverderski lost his first match against Clay Carlson. Six threes, a competitive match, a close match. Clay Carlson, if I remember correctly, is a an All-American, so that's not a bad loss at all. And then Swiderski, man, wrestled one of the best matches he's wrestled this season. He beat the three-seed Kale Happel from UNI, who he lost to earlier in the season, 8-6. And we've seen Casey Swiderski wrestle with a high motor before and a really good attack rate. And he's won some of those matches and he's lost some of those matches. And it generally just comes down for Swiderski finishing takedowns. Against Kale Happel, he was able to finish those takedowns. And... 
Man, it was so, such a fun match um, just to see Casey Zafirski reach some of that potential we know he has. Uh, and then he, next round, he beats um, Job Greenwood from Wyoming 3-1. to one. That was more of a – Zafirski, again, was trying to push the pace, but Job, um, kind of similar to a David Carr match, was just he didn't want to engage fully, didn't want to keep up with the pace that Zafirski was trying to push. So Zafirski wins that one 3-1. Then he, Carter Young from Oklahoma State, injury defaults, Swerdersky wins that. And then he meets his old friend, Clay Carlson, again in <laughs> uh, third place match. And this one goes to sudden victory. It's tied after sudden victory. It goes to tiebreakers where Swerdersky loses three to one on one second of riding time. And oh, that had to, I didn't, we haven't, I don't, I haven't talked to Swerdersky. I don't know if you have, but that had to hurt because. One second of riding time. It was right there for the taking. I remember when Swiderski had choice, he chose neutral. He was able to escape in tiebreakers. Would he have been able to escape at that one time if he would have chosen down? If he would have, wouldn't have gone to sudden victory, wouldn't have gone to tiebreakers. So, oh, that one hurt. But it just, again, it goes to show the potential that when Casey Swiderski's on, man, he can wrestle with maybe not anyone, but pretty darn close to anyone in the country. Well, and when I spoke with the coaches, I mean, both of them, both Metcalf and Dresser very much were like, it's just his, it's just his emotions. He's just got to reel in those emotions. And once he does, he's going to be able to focus on more of that, you know, the action where he doesn't give up a second that ends up determining the match. Um, Dresser had, I think one of my favorite quotes, um, he said this was after the win over Kale Happel. He said that was that was one he really needed. We need to calm him down somehow. I don't know how the <laughs> I don't know how that dude's a nut job. He's got more emotions <laughs> than fifteen schoolgirls. We just have to figure out how to figure that out. And once we figure out his emotions and he just takes over and wrestles, he will be really good. Which is essentially what Metcalf also said um on Sunday night. It's just a matter of reeling in those emotions that you feel, you know, I mean, he's young. He's a, again, he's a true freshman. Um, so it makes sense, especially with just, I mean, he's so good and he, you know, he's known that his brain is probably just swirling <laughs> when he's trying to do these really high level, high intensity matches. You know, there's so much on the line. Um, but yeah, that, that one second sucks, but I mean, Hey, I bet you he won't give up. Uh, another single second of riding time like that. <laughs> no, every second counts. And there was, I forget who it was, but they responded to me on Twitter saying that. So college wrestling, if you don't follow super closely, just revamp their overtime rules for this season. It used to be if the match was tied after the third period to be one minute, sudden victory, one round of tiebreakers, another one minute, sudden victory. And if it was still tied, then a final tiebreakers for this season, they've gone with, one two minute sun victory and then tiebreakers. And it, I feel like there's still some tweaking that could be done. I love the two minute sun victory. I think that's a phenomenal upgrade of, from what we've had because one minute isn't quite enough. You still got guys trying to sometimes fill each other out and set up their shots and things like that. So one minute might not quite be enough. I like the two minutes, but I don't know about ending things on tiebreakers and rideouts. And we saw some other matches. I forget off the top of my head, which ones, but I, I think it was Rocky Elam um, in a match. Maybe it wasn't Rocky. Maybe it was Zach. I think it was one of the Elam brothers where they were riding 
I think it was I think it was Zach riding in the first tiebreakers rode the guy out and then after that they chose neutral um, for their choice and that's pretty much a free win at that point so I think there's some tweaking that can be done for college overtime rules but that's a maybe that's a conversation for an offseason podcast but <laughs> tough loss for Sadursky but I liked how he wrestled a lot I did too and I think for his first time at the tournament to be able to you know, wrestle for third place, that's a really big deal. Um, especially when, if you want to talk seating, he was unseated. So he wrestled well above his seating. Give or yes. take, I'm sure his seating would have been very different had he had all those matches under his belt. But regardless, if you want to play that card, he did extremely well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, another guy who finished in fourth place, Jason Kreiser, how exciting this was for me. I texted Ben when we were over the weekend and I said, this is the most chaotically sound I have seen <laughs> Jason Kreiser wrestle, wrestle. And I asked him about it. And um he is someone who works very closely with coach St. John. And he just, I'll say this, this is something I really appreciate about Jason is that you can truly ask him like a very direct question. That's almost I mean, I feel like it's probably kind of insulting to him to be like, hey, how did you clean up what you kept messing up, which is essentially what I asked him. And he just like gave a really great answer about how him and St. John have been spending a lot of time in the wrestling room, really trying to work on like, okay, so when you're in a scramble and this happens, here's what you can do to flip it in your favor. And I mean, you saw that. That's what he did in all of his matches. He worked very hard to keep it clean, but still had those scrambles that just kind of keep you on the edge of your seat. And I had a lot of fun watching him. And I actually had like a little sliver of me that was like, Oh my gosh, like I think he can do it. He's going to get third place. And I mean, he only lost it seven to six. So he was so, so, so close. And again, he's a golden retriever. <laughs> he's a golden retriever <laughs> on this team. So I was excited to see him also wrestle well above his seed. He was a number seven seed and finished in fourth. And he earned his way to the ticket, to the ticket. He punched his ticket to the NCAA, um, which he wasn't supposed to. If you want, again, going off seedings, he technically wasn't supposed to get an allocation, but he did. So I was very excited for him. Yeah, me too. And I think there was some a little bit of sweet justice because the Big 12 was supposed to get seven allocations at 157. He was seated seventh. So in theory, he earned himself an allocation. He's going to wrestle and earn a spot for the NCAAs. But then West Virginia, they take out their 165 or the 157 pounder who did earn an allocation and put in Alex Hornfeck, who is an all was an all American. Um, and in the backside of the tournament, Jason Kreiser beat Alex Hornfeck to earn the, uh, NCA automatic qualifying spot. So I think that was a little bit of a sweet karma, some justice there that <laughs> West Virginia took away their, or took away Jason Kreiser's qualifying spot and Kreiser took away theirs. So <laughs> I like that. That made me very happy. He beat him by major decision too. So he put a little bit of an exclamation point on that one, nine, one major decision for him. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Then he beat the four seed in the next match, um, Kel Swenson from SDSU. So yeah, I loved the tournament that Kreiser wrestled and you could tell too, um, like you talked about 
he cleaned a lot of things up. He's still going to roll around on the mat a bunch, but it seemed a lot cleaner and a lot more, I don't know if predictable is the right word. It's not, but a lot more sound and <laughs> less scary. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I would say Jason, or I guess it's, I feel so weird when I say they're only their first names. Kreiser. Um, I think, yeah, I had a lot of fun and I was very, I think he was one of my favorite people on the backside just because it was just someone I didn't expect is someone I definitely underestimated. Um, for sure. When we went through things. So, um, unfortunately another thing to the backside was younger Bastida ended up in it. He finished in sixth place overall. Um, younger had a tough weekend. And I know yeah. a lot of people were discussing it and I'll just say that although he had a tough weekend and obviously a good chunk of it is because of his own mistakes, I think it is insane that Flow Wrestling looked at all of wrestling from this conference all these conference tournaments and said, Yep, younger Bursita is number sixteenth in the country. Yeah, that one's a tough one. I think there's a point where you look at a person's body of work and younger Bastida is a returning All-American. He is ranked and earned his rank of top 10 all season long. Uh, so to drop him to 16 is questionable. And yeah, he had a bad tournament. I'm sure he would say just as much if you asked him. But yeah, 16 is um, incorrect. Yep. Ooh, excuse me. I completely agree. And I mean, I think the thing with younger and I don't really have like some big crazy analysis or a long winded comment on it. I guess it just, I think younger, unfortunately was exposed this season in certain matches. And that probably doesn't feel good when you're literally known as the Cuban problem. (laughs) And I mean, if he has to learn them now and that's only going to, what's the word if if it's only in the end going to help him you know feel that defeat and use it to push him upwards like we knew he can because he already has all the physical tools to do it then so be it and i know that's not you know that's not what dresser was anticipating especially not in the team race younger someone everyone including them was probably fully anticipating him getting bonus points and really helping them um in or win over Oklahoma state. Um, but I mean, both, both Metcalf and dresser said that he's a little dinged up, but at the end of the day, it's just a mental thing and he has to really clean that up. So like, like Ben and I were discussing, maybe he just needs to sit down with someone like Nate Carr for like (laughs) six hours and just get that back because yeah, like I said, he has all the physical tools. It's just all mental blocks. And you could see it. He just looked yeah. so defeated. And that was just, that sucked. I I will say that was kind of crappy to watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jackie and I were talking about before the podcast, what we could do to get younger, right? And she brought up, yeah, just have him hang out with Nate Carr, David Carr's dad for a long time. One of the most positive human beings on the planet. Like if you spend two minutes talking with Nate Carr, you're going to feel better about yourself. If you spend 10 minutes talking about him, you're going to think you're a God. So uh, I, I suggested that younger and Nate should probably room 
down in Tulsa. Just have them room together. <laughs> just have Nate tell Younger all the positive affirmations in the world or have Nate tell Younger all the positive affirmations in the world and get his mind right. Because we saw in the first round, Younger Bastida wrestled um, Tyus Radon from Wyoming and he beat him by tech fall. So that's, those are the bonus points that you expected to see from him. Second match, he beat um, Evan Bachman from Utah Valley, who interestingly enough is the guy who beat him for fifth place and he's going to be, not to get too ahead of ourselves, Younger's first round match at the NCAA Championships. So Younger Bristida has two and one against Evan Bachman this year, beat him twice, lost to him in the most recent match. And But that was one of those matches. And you could see it on TV sometimes. There were times when Younger's obviously limping. So I'm sure a lot of it is mental. And when you don't feel good, it's easier to get more down. But he is pretty clearly hurt as well. So I don't know. That's probably not something that's going to be fixed uh, in a week, but hopefully it's manageable enough to where he can make a good run at NCAA championships and become a, a two-time All-American, which his talent and ability level obviously lends itself to. Yeah, I think it's a blessing and a curse where depending how Younger shows up to that match, I think is going to be a very... I don't know, a window into maybe what we can expect from him. So this is new territory, I think, for us covering him. I I don't even know what to think. I'm very open-minded. So like I said, blessing and a curse. It's almost like someone sat as dresser says and pushed a button and said, this, this, this looks good for us. <laughs> so, but, um, Ben, do you have any other things that we haven't discussed about Big 12s that you really want to hit? Uh, yeah, we talked a lot about team race mm-hmm. uh, before and how to judge that and all that fun stuff. Uh, Missouri finished with 148 points. Iowa State finished with 131. At the end of the first round, when Missouri got all the matches and Iowa State got all the buys, it was 16 and a half to three between Iowa state and Missouri. If you take away those points, uh, Iowa state still loses to Missouri, but it's by three and a half points and not 17 points. So like I said, look at total number of champions, total number of finalists, third place, fourth place, all that fun stuff. And you'll get a much clearer picture, which that lends itself to because Iowa state had two champions. Missouri just had one. So that's my last deal with the big 12 championships. I hope they find a way to reformat that. So we don't have to do that nonsense again next year. Yeah. I mean, I guess my main takeaway with that, when I finally got to talk to dresser at the end of the night, it was just like, Hey, did you win the team race? No. But when you step back and look at what they accomplished, this was a mega step forward. And what they've done in the past, I know Marcus Coleman and I know Sam Schuyler feel like crap and they did not feel satisfied because they were aiming obviously for a title, but they still finished in second place. They still raked in 12 points each for their finish. And that's really good. And same with the guys who battled in the back, they brought in points that Iowa state wasn't expected to get from someone like Casey Swiderski and Jason Kreiser. So like it just, yeah, I guess when I stopped and I took a step back and kind of stopped thinking about Missouri winning again, it was just one of those where I was like, okay, this was still a huge step forward for the program. So that was my take. I know it sucks because you want to contend for it, but 
at the end of the day, it was still a step forward. And that's, I yeah, guess that's sometimes the brackets don't let you contend. Yeah. You got to hope for, you got to hope for that. And I think they did that, but that's all right. We're, you know, on to the next thing. NCAAs, the brackets are out. If you guys want to go check those out to get a closer in-depth look into them, um, Ben and I will definitely do a more in-depth NCAA breakdown next week. But I really just wanted to touch on with you, Ben, what were your initial, you know, what stood out to you from a first glance? Uh, a couple things. A lot of guys are going to see familiar opponents uh, in the first or second rounds. A lot of Big 12, obviously, Big 12, Big 10. Or a lot of the Iowa. Two wrestling conferences, a lot of Iowa. Um, <laughs> yeah, Zach Redding probably got the worst draw. <laughs> he He's probably he's going to have a good chance at winning his first round match against Braden Palmer of Chattanooga. Uh, unfortunately, he's most likely going to get Dayton Fix again from Oklahoma State. And that is a rematch. It's going to be a rematch of the Big 12 championships in which Dayton Fix won, I think, eight to three. Uh, so Zach Redding got a tough draw. And then I don't love Sam Schuyler's at heavyweight. I think um, he's going to have a tough time. He's going to beat his first round match, Michael Wolfgram from West Virginia. He'll win that one. Uh, then he's g- unfortunately got Lucas Davison from Northwestern, who's the nine seed. Sam Schuyler's the eight seed. That's going to be a really tough match. Lucas Davison's very, very good. And if he does manage to win that one, he will, again, most likely get number one overall seed Mason Paris from Michigan. And that's one, unfortunately, that I, Sam Schuyler doesn't really have a good chance in. So likely see him on the backside of the bracket there. Hopefully he'll be able to wrestle well, um, get to the blood rounds, become an All-American. If Sam Schuyler becomes an All-American for Iowa State, that would, I mean, we talk about Marcus Coleman and his improvement from one year to the next. If Sam Schuyler becomes a guy who didn't, I don't think he scored a team point last year at the NCAAs. If he goes from a guy who didn't score a team point to becoming an All-American, that'd be quite the story for him and quite the uh, end to his career. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that's the thing with the NCAA is obviously everyone wants to be the champion, right? But unfortunately, you know, you're at the end of the season. The toughest of the toughest are here and guys that you just really aren't going to beat <laughs> are stacked up against you. And I think becoming an All-American is definitely the goal here for a lot of these guys, which is really exciting. I would love to see Sam become an All-American. I think that would be a really great way for him to end his career, in my opinion. I mean, just thinking back to last year, younger David and Coleman were just I mean, they looked like they were on cloud nine together when they were able to celebrate together that they were all Americans. So, yeah, no, I I would agree with everything you just said. I think if I look at it from the other side, I think I'm most excited for Casey Swiderski's bracket. Yes. I think that's the one I'm looking forward to the most. Casey Swiderski has an awesome bracket if if he wrestles really well like he did at big 12s like he did to end the season he's gonna have a really fun path he's a 24 seed right so again like big 12s unseated you're not expected to do much 24 seed out of 33 you're not expected to do much but he's got Moshe schwartz from oklahoma in the first round and casey lost to schwartz three to two in the duel meet earlier this year but that was when sudersky was in like his seven six seven match losing streak he was in his funk in his head that's not the casey sudersky we've seen recently so i love that matchup for him he wins that when he gets alan hart from missouri tough match winnable match let's say he wins that 
he likely gets real wood from Iowa. And if you remember back to the beginning of the season, Swiderski was the only one to get a takedown in that match. In a match that he lost, I think it was three to two or four to two. Real Woods did take him down, and obviously there were some uh, fireworks during and after the match too. So I would love so much to get a Swiderski <laughs> Real Woods rematch. That if we need to manifest this, Jackie, I will do what the TikTok girlies tell me to do. There's a lot of them that pop up. I'll do whatever manifestation dance we need. Cause I, yeah, I would love that. I think, you know, I've touched on this before. I think what I love so much about Casey is that he has this, like, I don't know, like this chip on his shoulder, his, this, he's just has, he's very scrappy. So when it comes yes, to those, those matchups with, you know, Iowa wrestlers, he's not afraid to, match their energy, right? Because Iowa wrestlers are known for it. They have big egos, they're scrappy, they're, you know, mouthy. And Casey will throw it back. And I think Panero, so Panero and Casey have a very um, strong friendship as well. You know, they're the two young guys in the lineup. And Panero said that he loved seeing Casey get that win at Big 12s. And he said that he told Casey, you wrestle your best when everyone doubts you. Well, I think people are going to doubt him, right? He finishes in fourth. He didn't get third place. Like people were probably thinking after how he wrestled to get there. And when you put him up against real woods, obviously everyone's going to doubt him, but there's. Oh, everyone's going to doubt him in his first round match. No one's going to expect the 24 seed to beat the nine seed. Like that's just not supposed to happen. So, but he can, and that that's what's sure fun. can. That's what's fun, yep. and so I'm excited. That's what I'm. That's what I'm most excited about. If we take away, of course, if we pretend David Carr doesn't exist for a second, I'm very excited to see <laughs> David Carr compete at NCAA's. I'm very excited to just be there because I feel like it's just going to be magical <laughs> to be where the best wrestling happens this season, right? People try to peak in March. So. Oh, yeah. I thought Iowa State peaked in December. <laughs> I don't know. I think they're peaking. I think they're peaking. <laughs> Have we told, and, uh, does, uh, does Carter Stracci know that yet? Should I tell him? Should I personally call him? Yeah, no. let's, let's send him a text. I'll, I'll get a hold of Kale for us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is just a random side note. Someone pointed out, you know, David accomplished becoming on the, only the second cyclone in program history to become a four time national champ or at conference champion. Sorry. And, you know, I think in general, at least I had it, I hadn't even mentioned that the only other cyclone to do it was Kale Sanderson. And someone tweeted it and I immediately saw someone respond he is not in not good company there or something. <laughs> I was just like, this is why people like me and probably Andy have not said that because then you guys are just mad. Then you're just sitting there angry about Kale Sanderson when we need to focus on David. So I thought that was funny. I needed to bring that up, but yeah, yes, I'm pretty pumped for Casey. And I mean, Panero, his best friend Panero also, I think he has a good, bracket thoughts on that <laughs> i like panero's bracket a lot um he's the five seed and he's um on the same side as yanni which is what it is uh but he's got 
So I'll talk, uh, yeah, I'll talk about it now, but he's got Gerard Verclear in, in his first round match. And for diehard fans, that name's going to sound familiar. Uh, he was in the Austin Gomez, Marcus Coleman class for Iowa State, the class that I think was ranked number two in the country at the time. Um, that was the last year of Kevin Jackson when he got, I think he technically resigned, but got fired. Uh, and then. Gomez retained, he kept his um, commitment, and Marcus Coleman kept his commitment. But as soon as Dresser got hired, Verclear was out. He didn't even, from my understanding, he didn't even give Dresser a chance to talk to him on the phone. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting match. So Gerard <laughs> changed his, uh, he committed to Penn State, where he wrestled at for, I think, four years. And he was a blue chip recruit, right? He was number one at his weight. I think he was the number two or three pound for pound guy. He was supposed to be one of the next big things. He was supposed to be like a David Carr, just at a lower weight. That's who he was supposed to be. He never materialized really at all. He was always ranked in the twenties. He was kind of like a Marcus Coleman before Marcus Coleman really improved and set himself apart from other people. He's just kind of middling. He'd beat some good guys. He'd lose to some guys like, how are you losing to that guy? So he transferred from Penn State to Virginia, um, where the Paulson brothers are at. And if you remember back in Dresser's first year, there was some things said by Dresser that the Paulson brothers did with Kane and Store and that whole drama. So Gerard Verclearen, who didn't give Dresser a chance, is now wrestling for the Paulson brothers, who uh, aren't best friends with Kevin Dresser. So that's going to be a really fun first round match for Pinero Johnson. I expect Pinero to win that one relatively handily. Um, so that's going to be a fun one. I I'd love to see Pinero after some matches, you see wrestlers go and shake the opposing coach's hand. And sometimes I feel like that's just a slap in the face. I'm sure most of it's done out of respect, but sometimes it feels like a slap in the face. Like, Hey, thanks for letting me beat your guy. I'd love to see Pinero go over and shake their hands. Just, uh, just for some fun. So that's, I'm excited for that match for sure. Yeah. I'm excited to see how these guys, you know, handle being at the tournament tournament for the first time. Um, and yeah, like you said, I, I think sometimes, I think sometimes it's a little obvious when, you know, who goes and shakes hands out of respect. And then sometimes I feel like you can also tell when it's just like, Oh, dad told me to come over here. You <laughs> yep. know what I mean? Like you can just yes. tell from the demeanor of guys. And, um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think those are my two biggest high level takeaways is I'm excited for Casey, very excited for Casey. Um, and again, like I said a, a little bit ago, a lot of Iowa rematches. Yep. Which, you know what? It's fine. I, I look forward potential to Potential rematches. Potential yes. rematches. I guess I should say, as as the wrestlers say, one match at a time. Um, But Marcus Coleman, same thing. He's looking at um having his rematch against Iowa, Abasad, which I would also like to see that. Just because, I mean, I'm sure people are going to hate it because you're like, oh, great, Iowa and Iowa State again. But that duel in December was so good. I would love to see how these guys match up in March. So another little high-level thing I think I'm pretty excited about on first glance. Yeah. One last high-level thing that I want to touch on is David Carr at 165. So we've heard all season that 165 is probably the deepest weight class in the country. And I think that's still probably true either that or 197. I think there's more high-level people at 165. 
five, but 187 is probably more of a flat curve. If that makes sense. Like there's a lot of, there's like a dozen, no, there's 15 guys probably who could be all Americans at 187. I'm not sure there's that at 165, but the top end talent at 165 is insane. So in the quarterfinals, David Carr, let's assume he wins, would probably face former national champion Shane Griffith, who single-handedly saved Stanford wrestling. That'd be a quarterfinals match, not even semifinals. Semifinals match could be Quincy Monday, who, you know, Carr Monday is iconic in the wrestling world. Monday was an NCAA finals last year at 157. So that could be a semifinal match. And then obviously finals, we're all hoping for Carr O'Toole part three. So uh, 165 high level view is, it's going to be awesome. So that's a fun one. I would really love to see David Carr, Quincy Monday, Friday night. And I want their dads, Matt's on. Yes. I sure do too. Me too. Like that sounds like not only the coolest parallel, but especially because it doesn't seem like there's any beef anymore from the sounds <laughs> of it. It sounds like Nate and um Kennedy Monday. Gosh, here we are with all the I think names it's again. Kenny. Hold on. Kenny Monday. <laughs> I always forget the dad's name. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, diehard wrestling fans. I'm unfortunately young. <laughs> <laughs> I'm even younger. It Not is even. Kenny. It's I'm Kenny. Too, I'm too. Kenny's the, Kennedy is the other brother, and then Quincy is the one that um, David's going to wrestle. Hopefully. Yes, I think that would be fine because I think I am pretty sure it was either Rob, a Rob Gray story or maybe David told us that eventually that you know the dads did kind of squash the beef. I assume after they were done competing. And it seems like David and Quincy have a pretty fun thing going between the two. I mean, they went back and forth on Twitter. And when I asked David about facing off against him back in November, he like made a joke how Quincy, the only thing Quincy has over him is good hair. (laughs) So no, I think that would be just so fun. I agree. I'm glad you brought that up. I already had forgotten about us seeing that Quincy Monday was on that side of the bracket. So, and Quincy Monday is the five seed for those of you who might not know, right? The second. So no, I think it's a good one. And of course, I mean, if things shape up, we'll have a rematch between David Carr and Keegan O'Toole. So we'll see if David gets it for stalling in that one. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be curious who's, who who the refs are for that. Yeah. And I hate playing that card. I hate it, but let's just So okay, talking about that, last thing this might this will be my last rant of the night, I promise. <laughs> okay. Um so in my office there's a guy named Mike Mogard. He is a diehard wrestling fan. He played baseball at Iowa back in the early 2000s, but wrestling is his sport. It's the only sport he watches. And I talk with him quite often about wrestling, just different things are going on with Iowa, Iowa State, things like that. And I asked him if he watched the Big 12 championships. He's like, yes, it was phenomenal. I was like, okay, what would you think of the Caro tool match? He's like, David was clearly better than him. I was like, great, agreed. What about the stall calls at the end? He's like, unbelievable. This is an Iowa fan, right? Like, he's an Iowa fan through and through. He played collegiately at Iowa, mm-hmm. a different sport, but and he's a Hawkeye mm-hmm. and first stall call when David was riding, didn't let him up or didn't Matt return him. Sure. Understandable. But that second stall call with five seconds left, 
was almost he said it was inexcusable like you're just rewarding bad wrestling at that point O'Toole's running around this is what Mike Mogard said O'Toole's running around like a chicken with his head cut off and that's not good wrestling he's just flailing around making it look like he's on offense but he's not really you're not going to get a takedown doing that especially against a car a wrestler of car's caliber and you're unrewarding you're punishing good wrestling which is what car was doing because when you're winning with 10 seconds left should you be shooting a bad shot no probably not so he was baffled and appalled that car was called for stalling twice in the span of 30 seconds and one with five seconds left in the title match that car clearly out wrestled the guy he's the only one with the takedown every time car shot he got in, got a takedown every time a tool shot, which was, I think, once or twice, maybe like legitimate shots. I'm not talking about the end where he looked like a right. chicken with his head cut off. He couldn't get a takedown. So is, yeah, even Iowa fans had a pretty big problem with the stall calls there. So it's not just me and Jackie and with our cyclone rose colored glasses on. It's, <laughs> it's a thing that, Hey, what are we doing here? Because no one, and I've said this before, no one gets worse stall calls than David Carr. He can't seem to force one. And I think to the match, I think it was this year or last year against Wyatt sheets Carr got called for stalling against Wyatt sheets. I was like, what are we doing here guys? <laughs> so yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't know. If, I don't know. But Carr gets – I thought about this a lot, clearly. We look at sports like basketball. LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, those guys get superstar calls, right? They get refereed mm-hmm. differently than other guys. You look at football, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, they get different calls than other quarterbacks do. Like, it's just – it is what it is. David Carr, a superstar in the sport of wrestling – You'd think he'd get maybe more favorable stall calls because you know he's known for offense. You know he's known for pushing the pace. And yet the opposite happens. So it's weird. I don't know. I I don't quite understand why David doesn't get a more friendly stall call whistle. So well, and I, that's, there's I, my rant for the evening. <laughs> no, and I completely agree with everything you said and your Hawkeye coworker, <laughs> right? He's your girl worker. Yep. Coworker. Um, yep. I just like, I guess when I, again, someone tried to have a small argument with me about how maybe sometimes those antics that David does, you know, while he's wrestling, where he is very clearly calling, calling his opponent out with his actions that they're just not doing anything. I just think it's, I think it's just crazy to call it and ding him for stalling when he has clearly been the main aggressor, has physical offensive points on the board. And is clearly not stalling, clearly not avoiding the action. He he's being clearly avoided. And when he does something like a the quick jog around the mat, the laying on his opponent's back, you know what I mean? Like I understand his Muhammad Ali shuffle that yeah, he does. Yeah, like I I understand that maybe in a again, like you said, in a different match with different wrestlers, sure. Probably is stalling. There's a high chance if anyone else was doing in this match, they were, they're stalling. They're avoiding something. But David Carr, you really think he's avoiding the action? No. So no, I agree. And if a Hawkeye says it, then we're not wrong. (laughs) Yeah. So no, I agree with everything you said. And if 
there's a stall call on David at the NCAAs, I'm taking a shot. <laughs> <laughs> I'll lose my mind. Unless it's like legitimately stalling, but I don't see that happening. Like, who's a match that David Carr is going to stall against? O'Toole, I guess, because it happened before. But, I mean, I just I don't see it happening. He's he's too offensive of a wrestler for him to reasonably be called for something. Now, stalling, like he got the first time against O'Toole where he didn't return him, pant return, I get that one. That's fine. But stalling when David's on his feet, miss me with that. <laughs> well, the good thing is we're at NCAAs, and this is a, a whole different beast. This is not a conference tournament. And that's not, I'm not like digging the conferences at all. I mean, those are important and those are achievements, but we're in the big beast now. It's the real, it's time, not the real show. It's the big stage. (laughs) Trying to think of (laughs) what words to use here. No, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. So yeah, I'll be back in Tulsa. I'm making that drive again. I'll have the cash. Ben will be, you know, watching along from home. Are you probably will be getting, not too much work done, I assume. It's hard. It's hard to get work done. No, I I, I think I'll be at work um, the first day on Thursday, mm-hmm. and I'll be at work on Friday. But I think, and my boss knows this, I will be watching wrestling. And honestly, Mike Mogard will probably be in my office too, and we'll watch it together. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll have a grand old time on Thursday and Friday. And then Saturdays, obviously, I will be very focused on um, wrestling. And that's the only thing I'm going to focus on. So it'll be fun. Fun couple days. You know, this is where I give another shout out to Fairway. I'm so excited I get to be there because I think back to the days when I worked at the Gateway Hotel in Ames. And I mean, the weekends are the busiest time. It's not like I could ask for four days off because I needed to watch wrestling. And um, I mean, I literally, I'm not kidding you guys. I would be setting tables for like dinners because this is all banquet stuff. So you're, t- we're talking, you're the people who set up for weddings, your holiday dinners, your corporate dinners, whatever. I would physically, I wish you could see this. I don't, they won't be able to see it, but Ben, I would put my phone right here on my <laughs> forearm and I would have the, the matches up on it. And I would be physically like holding forks in the same arm and then setting tables with my other arm. And I was just popping a headphone and that's how I watched most of the NCAAs back when I was a server. I don't miss those days. I don't miss those days, but shout out to my bosses who let me do that. Cause yeah, wrestling's important, but that's fine. Not a problem now. Cause I'll be in Tulsa. So as always, thanks for tuning in guys. Um, like I said, Ben and I will be back next week to give a more in-depth uh, look at NCAAs and what we're feeling there. Um, I'll get there Wednesday afternoon, and we'll get a chance to talk to the team probably before Ben and I sit down, probably more so me than Ben, um, given the team takes off, I think, like Tuesday. So a lot of exciting stuff coming. Uh, make sure to tune in, as always, and follow us on Twitter and all that fun jazz. But otherwise, we'll talk to you guys next week.